want to continue the message that I started on Thursday night about, well, actually I started a, couple, a few months ago on global glory, but a part of that, a piece of that is uh, gratitude is certainly a big one, and another big one is being generous. And what prompted a part of this message was watching Candace, Richard and Candace have a new baby, and watching Candace make the baby smile. And I thought, wow, you can't slap a kid to make him happy. Yeah. Right? What do you do? You do, you know, you do all the things that an adult would never do. You just go through that whole thing, and you get the child to laugh. And you'll act silly to get that child to laugh because you want to teach that child to be happy. And this is the way God is. This is why tithes and offerings. You think he needs? He might go over to Paul's place for a meal. I'm not saying he would do that. <laughs> Come on, you got to stop posting all that stuff on Facebook. Man. No, he teaches tithes and offerings because he's not trying to subtract from you. He's trying to get something to you. He does not need your money. I know it may be a shock to you to think that, but he doesn't. He doesn't need your money. He needs, he's after your heart. But think about a loving God. And he's saying, Ephesians 1.3 was written for you, that I've already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. And now I've got to teach you, to train you, to be... Uh, Generous, so that you can receive my generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. He didn't give you some, some subpar leftover something. He gave you the very best that he has to indicate to you. And then, and then I, I, what I like about the tithe is it's a partnership. If, if, if it's a percentage. So Gay Lynn, who makes way more money than I do, <laughs> I could call those things to be as though they were, right? No, no, her 10% is the same as my 10%. Right? Matter of fact, when you read Luke chapter 21, I think the first three or four verses there, talks about a woman with two mites. These rich guys were coming in and bringing out of their abundance. Like they were like, like the, the who's the guy that owns Amazon? Jeff Bezos? Bezos? You know how much he's worth right now? $90 billion. In one night, he made $5 billion. There is no shortage of resources on the earth. None. So when you see the starving little kids and no water to drink and all of that, don't think it's because God didn't put enough in the earth to get the job done. He really did. But he has to teach people not to be stingy. And stingy is natural. Come on, give a kid two or three toys. Then have another child come in the room. Share one of your toys. The heat is on then, right? And you're the same. Adult children. I'm going to take my ball and bat and go home. Things don't go my way. I'm quitting. That's it. And God said, I wrote a book. And if you'll do the book, 
you'll be the happiest people on earth. I need to get you to the place like I got Paul the Apostle, he said. Paul the Apostle was able to say, thank you, Lord, for freeing me from men. In other words, he didn't get his identification by whether you liked him or not. He was hoping you would like him, but if you did not, it didn't change who he was. Because he found out, he found out a couple of truths. He found out, if I can be grateful... He said, if I can just be grateful every day, if I can just get thrown in jail in Acts chapter 16, whipped and beaten and pushed down and standing in a puddle of poop, and I can say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said, I have found out a truth that will set you free. Come on. That's what he said in John 8, 31, 32. He said, if you continue in my word, you'll be in my disciple. If you continue doing it. If you'll continue to do my word, you'll be my disciplined ones indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The more truth you have, the freer you become. A little bit of truth, a little bit of freedom. God said, I want you free. He who the Son is set free is free indeed. So Paul said, I thank you, Lord, that you freed me from the people, from people's opinions. He said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, uh, don't let, their, don't let what, the way they look at you bother you. Amen. And if you've ever led praise and worship in a church, you understand what it's talking about. <laughs> Some people look mad during praise and worship. <laughs> Somebody don't soon make me happy I'm not coming back here anymore. Huh? <laughs> no, he said, I want you to be free. And that's why I gave you my word. That's why he said, if you abide in me, I am the word. If you abide in me, the word, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words live, abide in you, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. But he said in John 15, 7, he said, you'll ask anything. And the word ask is I tell you, it means demand anything in my name and it shall be done unto you. We're not demanding something from God. We're demanding our covenant rights. Romans eight seventeen says that you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. But Ecclesiastes, I think in chapter eight or nine says, he said, you should be riding on a horse, but you're walking behind the horse in the poop. He said, you're living, what Paul the Apostle said this way in Corinthians chapter 3. He said, you're living like mere men. He said, God made you to be supermen, but you're so impressed with Clark Kent. He said, as long as there's envy and strife and bitterness and all those things, he said, you live there. So, so anyway, so he said, number one, you need to be grateful. And number two, you can't give away your power. Like, I can't let Rick Wood control my life. The Holy Ghost must do that. So if Rick Wood is mad at Gary, what's Gary's job? To pray for Rick. To refuse to have enemies. So how you feel about me doesn't matter. It's how I feel about you that's important. And, I, and, and I'm in control of how I feel about you. Doesn't matter what you do, I can control how I feel about you. And so generosity, we, we started looking at it on Thursday night. 
And I think we really need to go back to where we were in Proverbs chapter 11. Hallelujah. And, and while you're turning there, it, it, I, I was also reminded in Acts uh, 13, verse 22, the Bible says this about David, King David. He said, I sought a man and I found David, a man after my own heart, who will fulfill all of my will. Talking about David. What do you know about David? Do you know that he had flaws? Do you know that he slept with another man's wife at one point? Do you know that he had that same man, Uriah the Hittite, murdered? Did you know that? And God calls him a man after his own heart who will fulfill all of his will. And so David danced before the Lord with all of his might. That was really great. He sang before the Lord with all of his might. That was great. And lots of people like to sing and like to dance like David danced. But if you'll read, we're not going to turn there today, but Chronicles chapter 29, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and hook it up with Samuel chapter 22, where it says that David was running, David was anointed to be the king, you've been anointed a priest and a king unto God, Romans 8, 17, never God and a joint with Jesus. So that's your position right now. Ephesians 2, 6, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. You have a position. You have a placement here, but you have a position in the heavenly realm. These, so David, even though he was anointed by Samuel to be the king, he's running for his life from a man named Saul. And the thing, one of the things that's so impressive about David's run-in with Saul is he refused to allow Saul to become his enemy. Saul tried to kill him a number of times. David had the opportunity to take his life. Matter of fact, his men said, why don't you just kill him right now? But he wouldn't do it. There's something about, there's something about praying for your, there's something about Matthew chapter five. Those words are there to make you successful. They're not to deprive you of anything. It's like forgiveness. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. So when I forgave Rick Wood there, now, anytime I think about him, he doesn't have the power to hurt me anymore. So I, I'm the one that got free by forgiveness. So David, so anyway, David's running from Saul in Samuel chapter 22. Some people show up in his life. It's like a, a man starting a church. When you start a church, these are the people that come. They are the 3D people. They're in debt. They're in distress. And they're discontented. A lot of them came from another church and they weren't happy there. And now they're going to bring their unhappy self to you. In the first few weeks, it's, oh, this is the church I've been looking for. Until things go crossways again. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, no, but I've watched it over the years. It's, it's almost comical. Almost. <laughs> you just mop up the blood and move on. But... <laughs> But something happened with these guys. First of all, it says his brethren came. How many of you know family showing up is not always a good thing? Right? Oh, good, my family's coming in. Family's highly overrated. 
Just ask anybody between Christmas and New Year's. They'll tell you. So his brethren came. And we know from Samuel chapter 17, they didn't even like him. They left him out in the field with a few sheep. And when he came to challenge Goliath, they told him he ought to go, you know, go pound sand somewhere. And so, so he wasn't popular in his family. Maybe you're not either. But, you know, Jesus wasn't either. The Bible says Jesus' brethren didn't believe him. They came to see Jesus. The Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They wouldn't even come into his meetings. Jesus said, no, no, they're not my mother. Not, they're not my brethren. The, the ones that hear and do my word. That's family. That's why we're family here. We, we've been growing into a pretty cool family here, haven't we? Amen to that. And so, so anyway, they were discontented. They were in debt. And David said, what am I going to do with these people? So God gave him Psalm 34. It's an acrostic Psalm, 22 verses, representing each letter of the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. And he taught them. And he taught them, one of the main things he taught them, and I think the verse two, come and let us magnify the Lord together. Don't magnify that you're in debt. Don't magnify that you're in distress. Don't magnify that you're in discontented. I need to shift your focus off of you. Because if I can get the focus off of you and you begin to see others, you can begin to see purpose in your life. And so they did. And so uh, this is not anything I wanted to talk about this morning, but when you read Chronicles chapter 29, now remember David fulfilled all the will of God. And some people say, oh, the prosperity gospel is wrong. Well, David, when you read it, when you read it and interpret it in today's value, David gave $2 billion to the building of the temple. And he, and he, he didn't do it in secret. He talked about it. And when he talked about it, those 400 men, which had become 600 by that time, they turned around and they gave another $2 billion. The people that were in debt, the people that were in distress, the people that were discontented, they did one psalm. If you just did that one psalm, it would change you forever. Because it gets a hold of your tongue. It gets a hold of Lashon Ara. It gets a hold of, you can't go talking about other people and being ugly with other people. You just can't do that. And the best way, it's like I tell people, you'll never backslide from a church if you start writing big checks. <laughs> Why? My heart's there now, oh, man. <laughs> I'm not taking up an offering now, so you can just all relax and enjoy the message, okay? <laughs> no, sometimes you start talking about money. It's supposed to be, you know, we read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. I love a cheerful giver. I, you know, cheerful givers are hard to find. <laughs> What's the name of Jackson, the, the brain surgeon over in Keith, over in... Uh, Oh, Jackson. Andre Jackson. Come on, help me, Nancy. He's in Detroit with Keith Burt Butler. Amen. Keith Butler. Anyway, he's a, he's a neurosurgeon that has done thousands of brain surgeries. And he said when people give, it lights up the cheerful part of their brain. Makes them happy. That's why when you have offering time, there's so much misery. No, but people don't give enough to get happy. They just give enough to make themselves miserable. 
Come on, I've done it. I've, I've, had, I've had giver's remorse. When I was in a good meeting and somebody got me excited and I gave a bunch of money. And then afterwards it was, oh God, what have you done? Oh Lord, I bind every principality and power and I come against the devil's work in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, God, I hope you're real. And then, I mean, the preacher got you so excited, you thought surely in a week the money would return. (laughs) No, no, like the time we gave away our car. Like I thought, surely. That's the biggest gift. I mean, it was our only car. It wasn't one of our cars. It was our only car, and it was brand new. It was only a few months old. And God said, I want you to give it to Milan Lefebvre. Okay, if you know Milan Lefebvre, you know that he was a rock and roll star before he ever got saved. He didn't need, he still doesn't need the car. (laughs) No, no, but a week goes by, a week goes by, two weeks go by. We don't have a car. Pastor Paul, can you come get me? I just want to come to the office. Now it's Saturday, and he's busy doing other things. Pastor Paul, can you come and get us while we go get groceries? That wasn't one week. That wasn't two weeks. That wasn't three weeks. That was months. And then, and then, I mean, it turned out like so amazing, I can't even begin to tell you all of the blessings that came from that. And most of them were not monetary, but they came. Then I watched another time with Pastor Paul and Shirley, we had just uh, built a new home down in Lawrencetown. And so they were down visiting. And so we talked about a lot up the street. Why don't you build a house up there? And they had, they had elephant's ears for pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and Shirley had a yard sale. So she could do, pay her tithe. It wasn't a religious activity. It was a heart wanting to do the, the things of God. And then they went and they took a rock off the property and took it home and set it on their table. And now they're living in that rock. You know? But God has more rocks for them. God has more rocks for you. <laughs> he doesn't care how many rocks you have. You know, he's, he's not... The first thing that he said, I came to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. Good news to the poor is you don't have to be. You don't have to be anymore. I want to prosper you. Come on, Third John 2, I want you to prosper, to be in health even as your soul prospers. So he says, your lack of finances is not a result of not having enough money. It's holding on to money that you're not supposed to be hanging on to. Right? right? No, no, you know, you, you, you know, and again, I'm, I understand my heart in this. I've watched people that, you know, you know, you could, when we had our services on Tuesday, you could have called it Toonie Day. Yeah. But yet everybody would go it afterwards and have a meal somewhere. And so you're eating stolen food if you wanted to be technical about it. Right. <laughs> no, no, but God doesn't look at it like that. I'm telling you, he's trying to teach. He's saying, you can go and eat that pizza and give me a $2 tip and stay where you are. But I gave you Genesis 8.22. You can make a whole lot more from sowing than you ever will from saving. 
He said, because you cannot love God and mammon. He said, if I had told you God and the devil, it would have been an easy choice for you. But I didn't tell you God and, and the devil. I called you God and mammon. He said, you can't serve one. You'll love one and hate the other. And so people with no money at all can serve mammon. It's not about how much money you got in your bank account, because in Luke 21, that woman with the two mites, I mean, some of these guys were blowing trumpets and giving the big offering. Like, like, how many of you know that if the, is, is his name Basil or Basil? Jeff Basil? Bazon. Oh, I was thinking. Basil. Okay. $90 billion. That's almost a trillion. A trillion is a million dollars a day for 2,000 years. Like, he's not ever going to do that. But if he came in here and gave a billion dollars, and by the way, if you're watching... P.O. Box 28063, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. But he's a very wealthy man. But then, then, um, then you come to find out that 96 to 98 percent, I'm not sure which, of the people on earth make less than $40,000 a year. So perhaps you're not as broke as you thought you were. You don't have what he's got. But if you've been on missions trips, you don't have what they have either. If you could see the water, we had to drink water with things swimming around in it. I mean, like stuff you could see because they were giving you a cold glass of water in the Philippines, right? And so, you, so when you say grace over food and water over there, you're serious. It's not a headache prayer in the restaurant. It's, oh, God. <laughs> Bless me for I have sinned. <laughs> but that's the way that the majority of the world, they don't get to go to Sobeys or Superstore or any of those places. And, you know, no, I know you can't go. Maybe some of you can't go in there and buy everything you want. But thank God, but again, back to grateful part of the thing. Thank you, Lord, today that I had a shower before I came to church. And you ought to thank God for that too. <laughs> right? But that's something that over there when we had a shower, it was a 205 liter rubber drum and a ladle. And so, and, and that, and like, it's hot. I mean, I was preaching one time and I couldn't see my Bible because of the steam coming out from the collar of my shirt. That's hot. So you're having a shower, and if you want to hot, turn up the pressure, you, you, you put the dipper out further and toss it at yourself. Right? Turn up the pressure. <laughs> and then... You get all wet again, drying yourself off. <laughs> there's no way to win. And then you go into a bathroom over there and you find out there's no toilet paper. Not in any of them. So all of a sudden you don't want to shake hands with anybody either. <laughs> Bump fist, hey, bro. <laughs> Come on, that's reality over there, right? I was hugging this one little old lady, man. I was hugging her. And she's just little, well, they're all little tiny people. You know, five foot is average height. I'm hugging this little old lady. And I'm watching the bugs run around on her head. You know. 
And she's just as precious, just as precious. Another time I had them bring me a little baby they found in a rag laying on the street. And plopped this little baby in my head. Bronchial problems, you hear it all. You know, I thought about that and I wept that night. And then I came home and realized that in 1978, they legalized abortion in the United States, in New York. And since then, in the United States alone, they have aborted 50 million babies. 50 million babies. And you think you're living in a world that's going to be okay? <laughs> you know, this is... Just because the media is telling you everything that's going on now, you think it's new? No, it's been going on forever. It's just better recorded now. But I mean, you know, payday is coming. There will be a day when God says, that's it, that's enough. And then you read the book of Revelation and think that everything is going to be okay with people, but you find out that they won't even surrender then. They'll fight God to the very end. It's an amazing thing to think about. But anyway, that's got nothing to do with what we're supposed to be talking about here. What are you doing to me? You're messing me up. Generosity. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 11, please. You see, but generosity, my... my my, generous, my generosity is a revelation that I have of his generosity. Like, like I need to, I need to he, he teaches me to smile. He teaches me to give and to enjoy it. And back to that car, that, back to that car. After we gave away that car, we were in Fort Worth, that January at a pastor's conference. At midnight, I got introduced to a Ben and Tammy priest who came up here later and, and introduced us to the whole tribe of Judah motorcycle ministry. I got to meet Mac and Sandra Gober at another time. I got to meet Dennis and Vicki Burke and Kenneth and Gloria Copeland and, and Jesse and Kathy Duplantis. And Jesse was, uh, you know, in our church a, a couple of times. And he was at that time getting over 100,000 invitations a year. And he came here twice. That was a result not of our magnetic personality. It was a result of sowing our best seed. And then, and then dealing with giver's remorse for several months. <laughs> no, no, you'd like to say, well, yeah, I just believe God through the whole thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. No, you don't. At 3 o'clock in the morning, you hear, you're the stupidest pastor in Atlantic Canada. <laughs> That's what you hear. And in a little while, everybody's going to know about it because you're not getting another car. <laughs> and I didn't have any money. I didn't, like, you know. It was anyway, praise God. Generosity, right. Verse uh, 1124. See, but again, he says here, he says, there is, a, there is one that's generous, and yet he increases. And there's one that holds back more than he should, and it tends to poverty. So, you know, again, lack is not for money you don't have. It's money that you have that you're not supposed to have. And again, sowing will produce more than saving, according to this verse here. And again, he doesn't say you shouldn't have in the savings account. He's just saying that don't, don't let unrighteous mammon be your confidence. You can't, you can't depend on it. So, so, 
Again, yeah, it was Avery Jackson. Avery Jackson, that's his name. I wrote it in my margin here over, uh, over in Keith Butler's church that said giving gets you in contact with the, with the pleasure part of your brain. And that's why, and then he said, take a look around when you're doing tithes and offerings, you realize most people have never been there. <laughs> you don't need to get high on dope, get high on giving. We're hope dealers here. We're dealing in hope. Hallelujah. Um, where can we go now? That's, that's, maybe I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this. In, you're probably thinking I'm going to say the, pa- the Passion Translation. I'm not. I'm giving up on that. <laughs> oh, the Passion Translation, the Passion Translation, the Passion Translation. It's a good translation. Yeah. But I also like the message sometimes. It, this is what it says in the Message Translation for verse 24. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So I thought, well, the opposite of generous is not a good word. Stingy. We'd call it frugal. I'm just frugal. No, you're stingy. (laughs) Well, it's okay to be stingy at Walmart, I guess, but... Probably not in the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's go to uh, Timothy. No, on the way to Timothy, let's stop at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And then after we stop there, we'll go to Philippians before we go to Timothy because it's just, there could be a nice flow here. Now in Timothy, in 2 Corinthians rather 4 and verse 6, verse 5, it says, We don't preach ourselves. And that's a that's the thing to remember whenever you come to this church. You're not getting what I think. You're getting what God says. And so if you have a problem with it, I'm just the recorder. I'm just the reporter. I'm just reporting what he said. I like it this way. I'm delivering the pizza. And what you do with it afterwards is, is entirely up to you. I suggest that you save a few slices for later on in the week. And go over the message again, because if you know that it's not Gary talking, then you must accept the fact that it's God talking. And he can talk to you through all kinds of voices out there in social media now and all of that. But if, you, if you're a part of a local church, you can be sure of this, that God has a word from you through that local pastor. And so, and so, if, you, and so, so if you do that, you'll get the benefits of that. If you're, again, it's James one twenty two. if you're a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself, don't be self-deceived. When you hear the word, do the word. Because God said, God said in, in Isaiah one nineteen. he said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, you'll wear the good of the land, you'll drive the Lord the, the good of the land. He was serious when he said that. He said, if you're willing and obedient, if, if, you, just, if you just do what I say, you'll live a, a victorious life now. He said, I came in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you're not experiencing that life and more abundantly, there's something the thief came to steal, kill, and to, to destroy. Find, find out how he got in. 
if you got in in the area of finances, it's because you've been canning what you're getting sitting on the can. You know, and that's not how you prosper in the kingdom of God. Oh, well, you might be saving some money and you might be doing some things, but you never get the peace, the joy in the Holy Ghost that you're supposed to have. Like I know one guy, one guy, a friend of mine's father, who had lots of money, but the, the, the poverty spirit was on him so bad that he pulled out four of his own teeth over different times with a pair of pliers because he wouldn't pay the $85 to get the tooth out. How many of you know that man was not free? I remember another time we were visiting this really nice cottage on a lake, and these people were worth probably $18, $20 million. I'm on one of those really cheapo chairs that you get at Canadian Tire. The ones used one season and the banding all falls off and the aluminum breaks, they squish up all that. One of those. And I sat on that thing and it collapsed. The woman came out right away out of the kitchen. I was sitting there right out of the kitchen and she started undoing all those bands and rolling them up and putting rubber bands on them and putting them away in a, in a drawer in case another one broke that she could fix it. Now that woman, no, no, no. And I'm, please don't think I'm making fun of her. They grew up during the depression or whatever. And they had, but that poverty mentality had them. You talk about a stronghold from the devil. Well, when I get my harvest, I'm going to give. You probably already got it. No, no. If, if, you're, if your giving doesn't shock you, your harvest, you might not even notice. No, no. When you really give a harvest, it's, it, it's like, oh. No, it should. If it doesn't move you, why do we think it's going to move God? And again, I'm not talking about being foolish. Just because I'm talking about giving away a card, don't you give yours away this afternoon when God never told you to. You won't be walking for a month. You could be walking for a year. Just don't do that. Be led by the Holy Ghost. But always be looking for an opportunity to stretch yourself. Because everything that we do is by faith. Everything. You know, you see people laughing in the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I want to do that. Well, start. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. I don't feel like it. No, but you're doing it by faith. I see people running around the church sometimes. You wonder why they're doing that. Try it and find out. No, no, like I remember one time Shirley went blasting through here, and a, a, a few weeks later she was given a car. Like, and you're thinking, what, what, why would she? And you're thinking, that's, that's so flesh. No, this is flesh. You want to know what flesh looks like in church? It's this. You judging somebody that's free in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, I'd never do that. No, I can see by your face you're not going to do that. <laughs> Where were we? For we preach our, not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for his sake. So a minister really is a servant, right? He's, he's not the big shot at the front of the church. At least he shouldn't be. Sometimes we make people into that, but God doesn't want that. God wants the body of Christ to be ministering to one another. He wants the church to be his body, not just what the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are there to teach you so that you can do the work in the ministry. It, it, they're not supposed to do that. So anyway, so he said, servants for Jesus sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to say, and you have this treasure 
You already have it in an earthen vessel. It's Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me tell you something. Sickness cannot attach itself to a reflection of God's glory. In Ephesians, in Hebrews 2.10, it says that the captain of our salvation came to restore us back to glory. Read about the glory cloud in Psalm 105.37. They went out with silver and gold, and there was not a feeble one amongst them. There wasn't a sick one in three million slaves. There wasn't a sick one there. Wow. They were under a glory cloud. And he's saying, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you get begin to receive the glory of God by faith and not by some kind of a formula, you can walk in that same place. Why do you think he taught the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9? He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? In earth as it is in heaven. Do you think there's any sickness in heaven? He said, pray that it won't be in your life either. Take authority over those things. Romans 4.13, call those things, 4.17 rather, call those things that be not as though they were. 4.13, yeah. Call those things that be not. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed and made whole. My God, come on, Philippians 4.19. Well, let's go to Philippians. Um, I think I'll just pick it up in verse um, 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord Greatly. I think when somebody rejoices in the great Lord greatly, you ought to see something. Don't you? Oh, I'm just rejoicing in the Lord greatly. <laughs> right? No, no. Take somebody to an athletic endeavor, some kind of sports stadium, and turn them loose, and you'll see. So I'm thinking that this ought to be displayed if I'm really, if I'm really into it. He said, I rejoice greatly. That now at last your care of me has flourished again. We're in also, he, he said, I know that you cared for me, but you didn't have any opportunity. He's talking now about the, getting a big check from this church. And, and, it, and it moved him. The check was so big that when it came into the ministry, the secretary started dancing around in the room like a mouse got loose in the place or something. Yeah. That's what God, you know, but God, see, God, God wants to do you that way. He is no respecter of persons and he wants to bless you. He wants to do, how do you know that? Because in Ephesians 3, he said, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think if you'll let that power work within you. He said, I want you to be outrageously blessed. I want you to be so blessed that people around you think, what has happened to you? Come on. That, that's Bible. Come on. That's Isaiah 61. The, the, the Gentiles will look upon you and declare, that's the seed the Lord has blessed. Amen to that. Okay. So he said, but verse 11, he said, I, he said, I, I'm, I don't want. He said, I've learned. I have learned contentment. See, the greatest thing, real success is this verse, verse 11. I have learned I've learned it. Really, what he's saying is, I've learned to trust God. So it doesn't matter what it looks like today. Because Romans 8 28 is still working, all things are working together for my good. I've been called according to the Lord and according to his purpose. And good things are happening, even though it looks bad right now. Good is on the way. Good is on the way because the word good came from the root word God, and it's going to be all right. I'm serious. We were over in PEI for five days. And uh, we went downtown, and downtown you didn't have to wear a mask. It was a wonderful thing. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just right. It's right. It was right. It was right. Anyway, we went downtown and we had been dis- discussing some things about the Lord and all that. When we pulled up, finding a parking spot down on downtown Charlottetown is like trying to find a parking spot on Spring Garden Road. It's kind of jammed up. Anyway, we pulled up and here's this one parking spot. I got out of the passenger side and I looked on the sidewalk and it said, don't sweat it, everything is going to be all right. In big chalk letters, covered the whole block. And I thought, <laughs> so I would like to say to you, don't sweat it. It's going to be all right. Doesn't matter what it looks like in the middle. It's how it ends. You know, I was watching some of last year's football games, and uh, it was really good because I know how it's going to end up. So when it sucks in the middle, I'm saying, I'm just like God. I know how it's going to turn out. And then when somebody gets punished that I'm really not fond of, I can rewind and play, rewind and play, rewind and play. Awesome. Clothesline them, excellent. <laughs> no, the sports that shed blood are the only ones I'm interested in. So that's why golf will never be my thing. <laughs> he said, I know in verse 12 how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things. Through Christ, and if you've got a good translation, it says which, not who, which. Talking about the anointing. I can do all things through the anointed one and his anointing. His anointing is what gives me the strength. Isaiah ten twenty seven says that his anointing is burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. So I can do all things through the anointed one and his anointing, which gives me strength. Go back and check it out in the Greek. That's what it literally says. Yeah. Verse 14, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with me in my trouble. In other words, you sent some money. Now, you Philippians also know that from the beginning of the gospel, the good news, when I departed from Macedonia, nobody sent me any money concerning giving and receiving, but you only. But verse 16, but he said, not only did you give to me once, but you did it again. Like you doubled it up. You did it once and again for my necessity. Not that I desire a gift, and that was his heart. Not that I desire a gift, but that fruit may abound to your account. In other words, I'm not doing it for filthy lucre. I'm not doing it out of greed. I'm doing it because I know what God wants to do in your life. And in order to have a harvest, you have to have seed. That's what I learned from James Plant in my garden this past fall, this past summer, rather. I learned so much that now I've got... I've got some seaweed coming from down in Port Bickerton to mix with the soil so that I can prepare the soil for next year. But then I found this out. Uh, You can't just take any seaweed from the ocean. You need to wait till a storm comes through and brings the pure eelgrass and washes it up on the beach because if you take the stuff that's on the beach and stir it up in your soil, it'll produce eight or nine different weeds that you didn't, didn't plan on. So when you think about these things, you say, there's a lot to learn. But it's all in the book. Everything I need for my success in life is right here. And, I, you know, we had some, I, I mentioned on Thursday that the crows stole all my blueberries. We had, had cultivated blueberries that were planted there before we moved there. They ate all my blueberries. And I've got a gun. And my solution was I'm going to shoot them suckers when they come back. <laughs> but you can't, but, 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 but then... 
Somebody came in with such compassion shared with me. Emily Rideau came and said, what you do, Pastor, is you paint, you get some little round rocks, blue one, and you paint some of them blue and some of them red, and the crows will start pecking on those before the blueberries come out. And by the time the blueberries come, their beak is too so well, yeah. I could either do that or... <laughs> Which sounds easier? God can make more crows, right? <laughs> What's that? A scarecrow, well... Um, <laughs> that takes effort to no, but we we did put some pie plates out there to rattle around and stuff. Hmm? What pie plates? Yeah, but they didn't work. <laughs> Nancy said we could throw a net over the blueberries. I said, why don't we just throw a net over the crow? It would save the problem, right? <laughs> Is any of this message helping anybody out there at all? <laughs> Once and again. So, <laughs> he said, not because I desire a gift, but that fruit may abound to your account. Verse 18, but I have all and abound, and I'm full. And I receive from Aphrodite the things that you sent an odor of sweet-smelling savor, and a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing unto God. Well, I underlined well-pleasing unto God because it took me to, to Acts chapter 10 to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was not a, a saved man, but Cornelius was a generous man. And the Bible says that he gave alms and prayers to a God that he didn't know, but the Bible says that his alms and his prayers came up before God. And when you read it in the Greek, it's uh, the idea of like that amplifier sitting there, sitting right in front of God, a memorial, his, his generosity touched God. And, and, and the Bible says it's uh, sweet smelling to God. Why? Because he sees a man that's not selfish. And really what God wants to teach us is the same thing you're going to teach your children is not to be selfish, to share. And that's tithes and offerings. You, you think it's about subtraction. No, it's, he's saying, the more I can trust you with finances, the more I will give you. The more I can trust you with your words, with your words. Like, you know, the Bible says that if you'll say to a mountain, Mark eleven twenty three, be that removed and cast in the sea and not don't in your heart, but believe the things you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. But, but why, why, why aren't they moving? Because your words have no power. Why do your words have no power? Because if God turned them up, you'd kill somebody. You see, so he that orders, so we have to get our, in order to experience the glory of God, we've got to get our conversation right. We just can't be slamming one another, talking ugly, especially, you know, especially us of the body of Christ, especially us that really have turned up authority already for me to say something about Tim Hammond. And, you know, let me tell you, well, Tim Hammond's a nice guy and he blows his own horn, but... You know, no, no, but but as soon as you say but, and now you're going to sin. Whatever good you said, it wasn't really what you wanted to say. You wanted to say the but, and then and then tell your sad story about why well, you don't like that person. No, no, my Bible says I'm supposed to love everybody. 
My Bible says I can't be talking. Deuteronomy 39 and verse 19, I set before you this day, life and blessing, death and cursing. And then he says, it's a no-brainer, choose life. Why? So that not only you, but your seed can live. Why aren't my kids in the kingdom of God? Maybe it's your words. Well, I pray over them every day. Yeah, but what are you saying about other people? If, if, if blessing and cursing are coming out of my mouth, it's affecting my seed. But if nothing but blessing is coming out of my mouth, it's affecting my seed also. Me and my seed will live. So I got to get a grip on my lip. And, you know, but God, and again, the gifts of the Spirit, God wants to operate the gifts of the Spirit through church and get it going and display His glory. But the, the gifts of the Spirit, there are nine, but the fruit of the Spirit also have nine. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness, meekness and temperance. Those things are vital. I need to make sure that I'm loving people. And it's not hard once I find out that God loves me and once I begin to like myself. Most of the people that do the gossiping and the trashing, it's because you don't like you. If you learn how to like you, if you learn how, if you only knew how much God loved you, you'd hug yourself right now and go, mm. you would, you cannot imagine in your finite mind how much he loves you. You'd do cartwheels across the front of the church, man, if you knew, if you really knew. He said, come on, in Psalm 16, 11, in, in my presence is fullness of joy, and at my right hand pleasures forevermore. He's not that ugly stone-faced God sitting on a stone throne that you talk. Like, did any of you ever see those pictures? And a bunch of people falling off a cliff into hell and him sitting there like this. That's not God. Read your Bible. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves people. Matter of fact, in Romans 2, 4, it says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repent. It's not you trashing him and telling everything he's doing wrong. Well, I'll tell you right now. We, we, we even have... <laughs> yeah. Verse... Am I ever going to... I'm not even going to get to where I was going to start, am I? <laughs> I'm not. I can't now. I'll get back to where I finished on Thursday night. I'm right back to where I finished. Verse 19, I am seriously right back where I finished. <laughs> Don't you find that amusing? Like you went all the way there in an hour? Okay. Verse 19, but my God. shall supply all your needs according to, and that's not out of. If, you, if I gave you $20 out of my bank account, you'd have $20. But if I gave you my ATM card, you'd have my bank account, right? And so that's according to his riches and glory. In other words, he said, I'm not holding your money back. Make sure that you don't have money you're not supposed to have. And be generous. Be the one in the, in the restaurant that, you know, that pays for somebody else's meal. Be the one that gives, that you're looking at the tip and thinking, if you can't afford the tip, don't eat the meal. Just, just you know, because, because you're a reflection of God. And, and, and not only that, he, if, if you'll become addicted to giving, he'll support your habit. 
If you'll become addicted to giving, he will support your habit. He will. Watch and see. You'll be passing money out one hand and coming in the other. Not the first time you do it. First time you do it, you'll sweat a little while. You better. I sure did. Wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And that's the word doxa. That's the same word that we looked at in over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Doxa, glory, his, the knowledge of the glory. And again, I gave you the meaning on Thursday night. I'm going to give it to you again because the linguists tell you that there's no one word for glory. Well, you know, in, in Exodus chapter 33, talking about the glory, you know, it, it's the word kabod. And, it, and it's heavy and it's weighty, but it, it's the very essence of God. So how do you translate the essence of God? You can't, you can't just come up with a word and say, well, that's it. No, it's everything that he is, everything that he has, everything that he can do. And the word doxa means wealth. It means commerce. It means power. It means wisdom. It means promotion. It means superiority. It means dignity, that you can carry yourself with dignity. And we're not talking about a career change or anything, what you're doing for a living. We're talking about you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. Don't, don't go by what other people say about you. And don't go about what they call you. You're not who they call you. You're who, they an- who you answer to. Who you answer to is God. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in my circumstance. That's who I am. That's who I am. And so it means dignity. It means authority. It means nobility. It means splendor. It means valor. Oh, Gideon, almighty man of valor. Remember that in Judges chapter 6? The guy was hiding, a coward in the basement trying to sift wheat out of sight so that nobody would steal his little bit. And God says, hey, hey, Gideon, almighty man of valor. That's because he's speaking to your potential. He's calling you who he sees you to be. Not not your circumstances dictating who you are. So he said, my God's a supply all you need. So it it means magnificence, valor. It means extraordinary advantage and privilege. Should I read that again? We're stopping here, so I can read that again. It means wealth, because over in Genesis 31, Laban's son said, Jacob has stolen my father's wealth, my father's glory. He called Laban's wealth his glory. So wealth is the root word in this word, kabod, back in the Old Testament, that can be found in every other time the word is used. So when, when God talks about his glory and, 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 and in you, the hope of glory, he's talking about his wealth. You think, some people think that he would have a problem, that he would have a problem with you having a billion dollars. He gave David two billion to give away. But he said, he said what I'm against is greed. What I'm against is selfishness. Not against you succeeding in life. Matter of fact, when you think about it, him partnering with you in the tithe, the more you make, the more he gets to advance his kingdom. So I would think he'd be interested. Matter of fact, Psalm 115 says, I will increase you more and more. God's, God's mind is always on increase. God does not subtract.
So it means wealth, commerce, power, wisdom, promotion. In a church, it means numbers, superiority. Superiority is not an arrogant attitude, by the way. But you know that, right? Dignity, authority, nobility, splendor, valor, magnificence, extraordinary advantage and privilege. And again, that's Psalm 102 and verse 13, too. He said, the set time for your favor. You're living in the set time of your favor. It's time for the Lord to favor and to feature his church. That's why when people look at the church and it's closed right now, watch out, people. Not only is it going to come open, but the doors are going to fly open. And everything that the devil did over this past few months is going to backfire. Mark my words. It's going to backfire. No, no, he came to steal, kill, and to destroy. He wanted us to turn against one another, begin to hate one another. Don't refuse to hate. Refuse to believe what you're being told in the media and be led by the Holy Ghost. And keep loving on one another. Don't make enemies, make friends. Come on. Don't build fences, build bridges. Every time you get an opportunity, reach out. Reach out. And some things... And, and if you don't want certain things in your life, stop talking about them. Because whatever you speak to, because of the way you were created, you give life to. So the more you talk about things, the more they grow. If you want things to die, stop talking about them. They'll shrivel up and go. Amen. Amen to that. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.